Please take your copy of God's Word. Let's turn together to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, our text this morning is the first 17 verses as we're back here in John uh, after a little Christmas detour uh, in the first chapters of Isaiah. Uh, And we find ourselves back in this upper room discourse Uh, Jesus is the night before his crucifixion. Uh, He has washed the disciples' feet in chapter 13. Uh, And then at the end of chapter 13, he begins what is the longest block of teaching uh, that he has in all of the Gospels uh, that extends from chapter 13 to the end of chapter 16. And then this lengthy prayer in chapter 17. And scholars sometimes call this, they name this section chapters 13 to 17, the upper room discourse. And and we're smack dab in the middle of it. Um, We've just seen now several weeks ago, the end of chapter 14, uh, that Jesus desires a real personal vital relationship with us. He speaks of being you and me and I and you. Uh, But when we come to this new section here at the beginning of chapter 15 in language of vines and branches and fruit, Jesus hasn't changed the topic He's actually giving us an image to help us understand what a real, vital, personal relationship with him looks like. What does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus? He's going to tell us uh, with all of this imagery, this metaphor of vine and branches and fruit. But in order to see that and better understand it, being affected by it, uh, we need the help of our Lord. So let's ask him for his help. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we, we say that nearly every week that we need your help. Lord, that's not just words. Uh, we, we, we need your help. We cannot understand the Bible apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and illuminate our hearts. Help, help us to have eyes that see glorious riches in this portion of your gospel. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So on my phone, I I subscribe to a number of newspapers. I've got the Daily Memphian and the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And since I don't watch television news, that's basically how I keep track of what's going on in the world. If not daily, every other day, I'm checking those news sources uh, to try to see what's happening. And those three news sources often give uh, uh, a well-rounded and sometimes opposing view of the world. This past week, though, the New York Times had this fascinating little quiz in the wellness section uh, on how strong are your relationships. And I have to confess, I'm a a sucker for those quizzes. Uh, So I did all the questions just to see what it was about. Uh, That quiz was designed by uh, a Dr. Robert Waldinger, who is a professor of psychiatry at at Harvard Medical School. Uh, And the quiz was, was trying to help us, and I'm sure helping him as well, collecting data, uh, explore the outlines of our particular social networks, how many close friends we have, or how much connection we have with those friends or with family or coworkers. And then, of course, at the end of the quiz, as you might expect, uh, it told you whether you had a poor or middling or strong social network. And then at the very end, it gave uh, some suggestions Uh, three or four or five suggestions on how you might go about strengthening your connections and and relationship with others. And uh, what was striking as I thought about it was that the presumption behind the quiz was that that connection and relationship, well, they're extremely valuable. But they also take some measure of, of effort on our part. I mean, we don't just simply fall into relationship. To be sure, some relationships are given to us in our families, but even those relationships, uh, they take some measure of effort on our part to maintain. If we're going to stay connected, if we're going to continue in relationship, if we're going to remain with one another, if we're going to abide, there is some agency on our part. And I think something like that is what Jesus is getting at here in this passage. As I mentioned, the last time we were in John's gospel at the end of John chapter 14, Jesus was describing for us what a real, vital, continued relationship with him looks like. He used that language of, I am in my father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And and we explored what did that mean? And we suggested it meant that there was communion, that there's, if you will, a kind of interpenetration, that there's relationship there's connection. And when you get to chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus hasn't changed topics with this metaphor of vines and branches and fruit. 
Now, Jesus is actually still talking to us about what a real, vital, continued, personal relationship with him looks like. Now, the, the metaphor feels a little abstract. If you're like me, you've read this for years and years, and you've gotten lost in the vines and the branches and the fruit and the ins and outs of being in him and him and us, and what does it all mean? But I think if we spend some time here, we can see that Jesus is telling us this, that a, a real, vital relationship with Jesus looks like continuing in his love by loving like Jesus. A real, vital, continued relationship with Jesus looks like continuing in his love by loving like Jesus does. In other words, the way we show the world, and perhaps ourselves as well, the way we show the world that we are Jesus' disciples, that we've been loved by Jesus, is that we love one another. And conversely, if we do not love one another... We show the world, and perhaps ourselves, that we're not his followers. We may have a profession of being his follower. We may have some claim of being a branch, if you will. But we are branches cut off from the vine. We do not have a real vital relationship with Jesus. That's what Jesus is getting at with this metaphor that dominates the first eight verses of this chapter. As I say, it's, it's, it's easy to get lost in the language of vines and branches. I mean, what does Jesus mean when he says, I am the vine and the father's the vine dresser and you're the branches? And Well, let's try to pare that down a little bit. Yeah, that's a pun. I, when I wrote that and I typed that out, I actually literally laughed out loud. Uh, uh, anyways, so let's pare it down. Um, I think there are two main aspects. If you were to do a kind of a K. Arthur inductive Bible study and in underline words and box words, you're going to see vines and branches over and again, and you're going to see fruit. So two big parts of this metaphor, vines and branches and fruit. So first, vines and branches. What is Jesus getting at with this, this image, this metaphor of vines and branches? Well, I think he's getting at the connection or the relationship between the vine and the branches, I mean, you see it in verse 2. Every branch in me. Well, who's me? Well, every branch in the true vine. That's what Jesus says in verse 2. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Again, verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see what Jesus is getting at there? It's, it's the relationship. It's the connection between the vine and the branches. The metaphor is, is meant to give us a visual of the language from the previous chapter. If this feels abstract, how much more abstract does it feel when Jesus tells us that you are in me and I'm in you? Okay, how is Jesus in me and I'm in Jesus? What, how do we get our heads around that? Jesus gives us this image, the relationship between a, a, a vine and its branches. So if you envisioned a, a tomato plant uh, and this, this main stalk and then the branches coming out of it, 
what, what typifies those branches. There's not a way to really tell where the branch begins and where the vine begins or where the branch comes, you know, how does it, it's, you go to that little nexus where the branches is com- that's coming out of that June or July tomato plant that hasn't burned up in the Memphis heat in August. And you see the connection there between the, the vine and the, and the branch. That, that's what Jesus is saying. But there's a striking difference between our tomato plant, our June-July tomato plant that hasn't burned up in the Memphis heat. There's a difference between a real plant and what Jesus is talking about here. With our tomato plant, it looks like the, the branch, as it's in the vine, it's kind of passive, right? It's, it kind of came out of the vine, and it's just kind of there. It doesn't get up in the morning and make a decision, you know what, I'm going to stay in the tomato plant today. He's just, the branch is just there. And as long as there's no blight or there's no bugs that get that, you know, eventually it, you resume it's going to produce some measure of fruit. But here... And the metaphor that Jesus is giving us, it looks like we have some measure of agency as as branches in the vine, whether we're going to maintain a connection with Jesus or not. I think that's what Jesus is getting at in verse 4, when he says, abide in me and I in you. That that word abide, it's it's a tough word. What does it mean to abide in Jesus? Um, I have the SV this morning, and it translates that word as abide. If you have the NIV in your lap, it has the word remain. The, the word could also be translated dwell or to stay somewhere. And, and so abiding has this idea of a continuing relationship. But, but notice this is an imperative. This is a command. Jesus is, is appealing to our agency, and he's saying to us, stay connected to me. Make, make a daily decision to, to stay in relationship with me. Remain in me. Abide in me. In other words, there's a, a very real sense in which Jesus is calling to you to make the decision daily. Am I going to stay in Jesus? Am I going to remain in relationship with him or not? Now, of course, there's, there's not a sense in which we can somehow lose our salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what a real, vital, continued, personal relationship with Jesus looks like. And Jesus is saying, each day you have this, this opportunity, this kind of crossroads moment, where you, you get up in the morning and you say, I'm, I'm going to either rest in Jesus, rely upon him, or I'm going to live as a practical atheist. And it's, it's never going to occur to me as I go through my day that I belong to Jesus. I mean, that really is our choice, isn't it? Some of you may wonder why nearly every sermon ends up ending somewhere with me appealing to you to trust in Jesus, to rest your heart in him, to believe him yet again, whether it's the first time or the 10,000th time. Won't you rest your heart in Jesus, believe in him? Why do I do that? You probably sit there and think, Sean, I'm trusted in Jesus when I was 12 years old. Why are you calling me to do it again? Because that's what it looks like to stay connected to Jesus. That's what it looks like to abide in him, is to daily come and say, Jesus, I am abiding you. I am resting in you. I am relying upon you. I'm determined today to live in a real, vital relationship with you. In the same way that the branch stays connected with the vine, Jesus is calling you and me to stay connected to him. 
in relationship with him. So that's the image, vine and branches. It's an image of relationship. But there's another part of the metaphor, and that's fruit. And, and fruit has to do with kind of the results of staying connected. And of course, fruit is all through this passage, the first eight verses. Again, look at your Bibles, you see it. Verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse five, um, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then verse eight, by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So there's all this language about bearing fruit, isn't there? Bearing fruit, no fruit, more fruit, much fruit. What does it all mean? Well, fruit is the evidence that the vine is alive and the branch is connected to the vine. Right? I mean, think about your tomato plant, your June, July, not burned up in the heat of summer tomato plant. When those, when those tomatoes are sitting there hanging on the branch, what is that proof of? It's proof that your tomato plant's alive. It's also proof that the branch has stayed connected to the tomato plant and the fruit, and yes, tomatoes are fruit, not a vegetable. Now, the fruit is evidence that it's all connected and there's life there. And so rather than getting caught up with the degrees of fruit bearing, I've actually heard sermons growing up about no fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and all the rest. That's not the point. Let's just focus on this. The evidence of being in relationship, the proof of being connected to Jesus is this fruit. That's what he says in verse 8, isn't it? That we might bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The evidence of a continuing, real, vital relationship with Jesus is fruit. Now, thankfully, it doesn't stop in verse 8. Um, we'd be even more confused if Jesus simply used this metaphor of vine, branches, and fruit, of relationship and result, but he didn't explain it. But thankfully, starting in verse 9, he tells us the meaning of it all. And, and I think the, the meaning gets us towards what a real vital relationship with Jesus looks like. What does it look like? He tells us in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Now, earlier he said, abide in me and I in you. Well, what does that mean? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Now, just think about that for a minute. The first part. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. As the Father's loved me. How, how has the Father loved Jesus the Son. Well, think about it. From all eternity past, before time was, in God's own very essence, John tells us in his letter that God is love. So that the Father, eternally, from eternity past, loved the Son. In fact, just as there never was a then when the Son did not exist, there never was a then when the Father did not love the Son. And from before time began in eternity to pass, all the way through eternity future, till time shall be no more, the Father will continue to love the Son. Even more, the Father has loved the Son 
utterly and completely and without reservation. There's no shadow that ever falls upon the father's love for the son. Never a doubt or a question about whether the father loves the son. Never a place where he says, well, I'm, I love this about the son, but I don't love that about the son. No. No, the father loves the son utterly and completely and without reservation. And his love for his son is intimate. It's knowing. There's, of course, three persons, one God. There's not a part of of the eternal Son of God that that God the Father does not know intimately as God himself. And so love unreservedly as the Father loves the Son, Jesus says, so have I loved you. Now that's mind-blowing. I was talking to ruling elder Matt Byer after the first service and we were just talking about how Utterly mind-blowing and heart-undoing that is. To know that, that Jesus has loved us from all eternity past. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, In love he predestined us. In love there was a destination that God and Jesus Christ had for us. So we often cherish and prize the language of predestination and election, but don't miss it. You were not only predestined, you were pre-loved. Before there was time, Jesus loved you. And through all of time, before you came into existence, his heart was set upon you. And throughout your days, and the book of your life, his heart was set upon you. And into eternity future, when time shall be no more, just as the Father has loved the Son, so, so Jesus loves you. As Jeremiah says, As God said through Jeremiah, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And Jesus has loved you utterly and completely and without reservation. There's not a shadow that comes across his face as he looks towards you. His face shines upon you in the same way that your face shines and glows when your child or your grandchild brings you the pictures that he or she has drawn as your Christmas present. And you open that present and you see those pictures and your, your face shines. So Jesus' face shines without interruption, without reservation, utterly, completely towards you. And he knows you intimately. He knows you knowingly and he loves you just that way. Just as the Father has loved you or has loved me, so have I loved you. And because Jesus loves us this way, he's calling us to abide, to remain, to stay connected to him, to stay connected to his love, to respond to him, to love him in return. The same kind of connection, the same kind of relationship that the branch has with the vine So stay and remain and connected to Jesus and love him in return. What does that look like? I mean, how do we remain in Jesus' love? Well, he actually tells us in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. And then he goes on in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And so again, there's a parallel here. Jesus had told us, just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now here, he says, 
just as I kept my father's commandments and so have I abide in his love, so you keep my commandments and so abide, continue in my love. And so how do we stay connected to Jesus? How do we, how do we remain in relationship with him? We keep his commands. And what's Jesus' command? What does he say? Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. What is Jesus' commandment? That we love one another. Here we're returning back to the new commandment that Jesus gave in John chapter 13. It's the great proof that in fact we are Jesus' friends. That we are those who know Jesus' love and who are in relationship with Jesus. It's that we love like Jesus. And so those who love like Jesus, they have evidence, they have proof, they have fruit that shows they are Jesus' followers, that they are loved by Jesus and they love Jesus. And conversely, those who do not love like Jesus, they don't have any proof that they've known Jesus' love. Don't you see the fruit that the vine produces through the branches? Is love. And so we have to ask, well, what does that love look like? Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And John's going to say this, pick up and say the same thing again in his first letter. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, by this you, we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but deed and truth. So loving one another is not a matter simply of talking, but of doing, not of saying, but of sharing. It involves concrete, compassionate actions. That's the fruit that Jesus and, and the world around us is looking for. So what does that look like? Over our years together, your and my time together here at IPC, I, I've described what loving one another looks like. Uh, looks like. I've, I've given suggestions. I've given lists. I've exhorted you and encouraged you to love. But this time, I'm going to tell you two stories so that maybe you can see and feel and taste and imagine well, that's what it looks like. That's the fruit that Jesus is looking for. So first story, once a month on Friday nights here at IPC, somewhere between 15 to 20 volunteers show up. And there's a few folks you might know. Uh, there's a bunch of other folks you probably wouldn't know. And they get here about an hour before uh, in order to be oriented. The, the new volunteers who've never done this before, or this is what they're to do. And the, the old hands who've done it for a while, they listen in too, and they're getting their assignments. And then the families with special needs children show up with siblings. And for around three hours, our, our volunteers hang out with these children and their siblings. And most of them are, are hanging out one-on-one. -on -one. And so they might shoot baskets or color pictures or they might read stories or just listen or they might run around our facility or just sit quietly in one of the rooms. And of course, there's a short Bible lesson and prayer, but the ministry is called recess. And for those who volunteer, 
It's a step out of their comfort zones. It's actually a picture, a, a small picture, of what it looks like to lay down one's life, to give up time, to give up control for for three hours to serve someone else um, simply out of love. Let me tell you another story, another story of what love looks like. I I have a friend who periodically gets on my calendar. He he pursues the relationship with me, which is a gift. And and when we get together, he listens. He, He really listens. And it's hard for my introverted self to always tell the truth fully about what's going on inside of me, but he just waits. And he doesn't try to fix me. He doesn't tell a story that turns it back on himself. He just waits and listens. And when I tell him the things, the hard things that have happened, or the hard places my heart's at, I see tears in his eyes. And if I mess up, he doesn't say, I'm done with you. He doesn't leave me. He sticks with me. He's been closer to a brother than a brother to me. Listen, whether it's a ministry like recess or whether it's simply one friend listening to another, laying down their lives of control and trying to give advice and trying to fix, they listen with tears in their eyes. Friends, that's what the love of Jesus looks like. And really, only those who have a real, vital, continued relationship with Jesus can really love this way, consistently, over the long haul, not quitting on us. That's the way Jesus loves. Such love takes effort, takes intentionality, and yet such love comes from those who've who've been loved by a love that will not let them go, by the love of God so strong and true. That's what it looks like to abide. That's what it looks like to have a real, vital relationship with Jesus. That's what Jesus wants to have with you. As the vine works through the branch to love others and so love Jesus through you. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, there's no hope for us to do this until we step back and remember that you love us in the same way that the Father loves you. Just as the Father loves Jesus, so Jesus, you love us. And so, Lord, you alone are our hope in life and in death. And as we come to this table, this this sign of your love, we pray that you would renew our hearts and renew our hopes again so that we might once again exercise our volition to say, yes, Jesus, I love you. I rest in you. I rely upon you. Grant us this grace, Lord, we ask. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.